Welcome to our Exchanges at Goldman Sachs Markets update for February 21. Every week, we sit down with leaders across the firm to get their quick take on five numbers they're watching in the markets. I'm Jake Seward, and today's guest is Michael Castle of our Global Markets Division. Michael, welcome to the program. Great to be here. So before we dive into the numbers, just tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do here at Goldman. Sure. Uh, I run the macro pod within the multi-asset platform sales team within the securities division. I've been at Goldman a little over 11 years, and I moved from the Sydney desk uh, to New York just over a year ago. All right. You did not sound like a native New Yorker. So what big number in markets uh, have you been looking at? Sure. Uh, $112 billion. That's the total amount of inflows into global bond funds year to date. And that's an acceleration from the record flows that we saw in 2019. There's a few drivers behind this, but I, I think some of the key ones are the global savings dynamics and the flight to quality into fixed income that we've seen over the past year. And then there's some important implications from this as well. Um, the first being the majority of these bond flows are into US dollar product. Um, so that means there's been a large demand for US dollars recently, and that's helped the US dollar off to its strongest start since 2015. The second big market implication is that a lot of these funds find their way into the long end of the treasury curve. So what we've seen is 30-year um, US treasury yields are only about six or seven basis points from their all-time lows. And that's despite the Fed being fairly sanguine recently and stocks trading very well. I think the third implication I just want to mention here is that it, these inflows can actually change the dynamics of other strategies. For example, we see a lot of clients look to buy safe havens like the yen and sell the dollar as a portfolio hedge. This trade hasn't worked so well this year, just given the demand for dollars from the likes of, say, Japanese pension accounts to fund these bond inflows. So uh, what's the number that you feel has been getting a lot of attention but doesn't really tell us all that we need to know? The Democratic primary poll numbers. I think they've been getting a lot of attention, but don't really tell us what we need to know. One of the numbers that we've been focusing a lot on the desk has been 77% from Nate Silver's 538 website. He's one of the premier modelers of the election in 2020. 77% is the combined probability of either a contested convention this year or Senator Sanders winning the majority of the pledged delegates. So much of the flow into US asset classes that I mentioned earlier, both into bond funds and equity funds, has been based upon the premise of a relatively stable and well-defined US outlook, but there's actually very little election risk still being priced into macro markets. So if we do get more uncertainty around the mid-year primaries or the, or, the, or the November election, we expect th these assets can adjust quite quickly. So uh, are there any numbers that have moved a lot or maybe haven't moved at all that's caught your eye? In terms of the number that hasn't moved much at all, I'd say uh, that's zero for the benchmark macro credit investment grade index. And that's despite stocks rallying 5% year to date. So macro credit indices follow the S&P very tightly. They often widen when S&P sells off and they often tighten when S&P rallies. This is actually starting to break down this year as spreads rallied from about 280 basis points during the crisis and they're, they're post-crisis tights of 45 basis points today. So as you'd expect from an asset class like credit that has a zero lower bound, what we're seeing at the moment is they're struggling to narrow much as stocks rally. Yet when we've seen stocks sell off over the course of this year, the credit spreads have been very quick to widen out. So this type of asymmetric price action combined with the location at the historic tights has seen a lot of attention to use macro credit spread products as a portfolio hedge. So what are the implications of that for your clients? Yeah, we've just seen more, more non-traditional um, clients, such as equity managers and other managers, so non-credit managers, um, look to put on spread wideners in instruments like CDX, IG. Um, you can either put them on in, in outright or you can buy options on the index. Okay, how about a number you're thinking about for the future? Sure. Uh, 28, for the 28th of Feb. 
So next week we get China PMIs, which is the first major Chinese data for February. We've had plenty of high frequency Chinese data over the past month that monitors the spread of the virus. We've had coal consumption to look at electricity usage. We've had traffic volumes. We've even had some box office ticket sales data fly across the desk. But this PMI is an official survey of 3,000 Chinese firms. Now, our economist base case is that we're going to see an extremely severe pullback in this February data, not unlike what we saw in 2008. But after that, we should see a fairly V-shaped recovery as the virus is controlled and you see the policymakers start to ease policy. So given the extreme uncertainties with how the virus evolves and the extent of the economic damage, this tier one data, as it starts to flow through, investors are going to have to carefully navigate it to navigate both the demand hit and the vulnerabilities in global supply chains. These type of numbers are going to be top of mind for a few quarters to come. All right. Well, we'll see what happens next Friday. And finally, what's the number you're thinking about when you're not in the office? As of today, it's 550 million. Um, this is the, the amount of leaders that drop over Victoria Falls every minute. Uh, I just booked tickets to go there in a couple of months, and I can't wait to see it. All right. Well, have a good trip. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Michael. Thanks very much. That's all for this week's Markets Update on Exchange to Goldman Sachs. And in case you missed it, check out our other episode this week from the 2020 Global Macro Conference in Hong Kong, where Steve Strongen and Jan Hatzius of our research team talked about lessons learned from market shocks from the 1980 crash to Brexit. Thanks and have a great weekend. All price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or a recommendation from any Goldman Sachs entity to the listener. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Goldman Sachs to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Goldman Sachs entity.